about the real battle that is going on between us and the one that wants to destroy us. He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We have to know our stuff. We, we have to be able to identify where this is coming from and who's responsible and then put on the correct attire for it. Have you ever noticed, like when you go places, that nowadays people like to wear their pajama bottoms you know, you know, it's like really weird. It's like they, they look like they just got out of bed and they've got those things with the drawstring and they're nasty, they're really dirty. They've soiled them. They're bad. Certain places you can go and there are a lot of people dressed like that. And what they don't understand is that the scripture actually says that you should not be dressed in civilian attire because you're in a war. And I think that the Word of God compares it to what we're wearing because when you don't have on the correct attire, you cannot fight the battle. And there is a war raging around us. And what I hear is the voices in our culture and our society today are saying, basically, you should be tolerant of everything and everyone except us. As believers, we're afraid to talk about certain subjects in the church. Pastors have backed way away. We should stay neutral on everything. We should never talk about politics in the church. We should never talk about transgenders or homosexuality or any of the things that actually seem to be things that we should wrestle with. We should wrestle with these things. Normally, I start my messages out by having a little, little video clip that I put on the screen and that, that kind of introduces the subject that I want to talk about. Today I have a long video clip. It is a video clip of what I consider to be culture's response to the war around us. There's a cultural response that is acceptable today. It's not ours necessarily, it's just out there. I don't know if you've ever watched The View but in my mind, The View is about as controversial as any show you could watch on television. This clip is eight minutes long, but it's indicative of what's happening in our nation. Because yesterday was a, a big day for women's marches around the country. The Me Too movement has really pushed women to the forefront to the point of actually demasculating men and making us look like we should back way off and be careful of everything we say because you might offend some woman. God created man and woman and made them equal in the sight of God. There is no question about it. One's not slave to the other. But he also created headship. He also created man first and took from his rib, from his side, and created woman to be his helpmeet throughout life. And it, it almost is like it's, women think it's demeaning to put a woman in that role of being her husband's helpmeet and his partner. That doesn't even address the issues that we see around us all the time. You can't even turn the television on without them trying to desensitize you to sin. Without them trying to manipulate you into thinking I should accept these behaviors because they're a part of culture today. There's a fight. This is an eight-minute video that actually made my blood boil. 
I, I, I thank God for Megan McCain who was in on this because I don't agree with her on everything by any means. It's John McCain's daughter. He disappointed me greatly in some of the things that he did prior to his death. That's a political issue in some respects, so I'll leave that there. But I got to say, bravo for Meghan McCain. So you're going to have to bear this for eight minutes before I get real fired up. Half are working with me and half are working against me. That pretty much says it all. I think that the greatest division, as far as my, my concern, lies within the body of Christ lies within the church, within Christians of the church, because we are constantly fighting rather than serving. Rather than speaking out, we're constantly fighting with each other, so we're distracted by our fighting with each other, and we can't really fight the enemy. I have to think ahead of time for everything that I say from here, otherwise I'm going to get someone who's going to write to me very angrily about what I think. The pastor went on to spell out in terms what he called basin theology. This was the basis of how Jesus operated. And so what he did was he went out and got a basin and put water in it and to explain to people what Jesus, what he himself, what his theology was, he started to wash the feet of his disciples. On the other hand, when you think of basins and water, you can't help but think of Pilate and what Pilate did when he was talking to Jesus, when Jesus was being condemned by those who had been following him with the purpose of condemning him. And Pilate said, "Not a, let me wash your feet. He said, I wash my hands of this matter. Do you know where most Christians stand today? It is in a theology that washes its hands of responsibility to love each other. It's a theology that leads me to think, I'm not going to tell anyone else what I actually think, lest I get heckled by them. I got a long letter today from some ladies who attend our church. They're married and they have a child, and they love going here. And I'm sure that they're wondering in the back of their mind, can you love us, Pastor? And the answer is emphatically, yes, of course. Are you welcome in this church? Of course you're welcome. We have a lot of um, things going around in our minds, like, well, if you, uh, blah, 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 if you approve this and you approve that, I'm not, a, I'm not interested in fighting you over everything because you know that she was not telling the truth. Her statements are written. She follows Louis Farrakhan. Louis Farrakhan is Muslim and he wants to destroy America. It's simple. I know where I stand on that. That's not political. That is Christianity 101. The greatest battle in our country to me right now is that we must Stop killing babies. Do you know why all that war is going on? Because the devil wants to continue to kill babies. That's what this woman's move is all about. There's no question in my mind whatsoever. Should women have rights? Of course they should. They should have equal rights with men. They are not lower than men in respect. They are co-equals, but they serve different functions don't they? Let me say this today, you're either washing the feet of others or you're washing your hands of them.
I just don't understand. I, I've been a pastor 43 years. I do not understand why we can't take the attitude of a servant and think about where the other person's at and just serve them and love them and forgive them and get beyond our garbage, right? Stop judging everybody. Oh, she's a transsexual. No, he, I just can't bear this because he does this and they do that. Do you know in God's eyes we are all sinners? Everyone in the room has sin. Deal with your own sin and let God deal with the others. Does that mean I don't fight? No, but I know who I fight. I know who it is that we are legitimately fighting this morning. You're fighting me because you don't like that I wore a baseball cap. Is that not ridiculous? I wore it on purpose. Get over yourself. That is, that is the um, argument of a non-believer. It is. I have so much to share today, and I want to get it all in. It works the same way when it comes to spiritual warfare. You're either acting like there's a real battle out there or you're acting like it doesn't exist. Let me make this promise to you. If you're a born-again Christian doing anything for God, you're going to be in a battle. You're being attacked. You will find sometimes the devil attacks you more. The closer you walk to God, the more he's attacking. My new friends that just started coming to our church two weeks ago, Jared and Jessica, um, and both got saved in the last week. Jared got saved at men's Bible study. She got saved the week before. In talking with my wife yesterday, she said, they said this has been like the worst week of their life. Am I surprised? Not at all. Once you decide to live for God, there's a fight. And Jesus said, anyone who is not against us is for us. And he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. If you don't remember anything, remember this today. There is no such thing as neutrality. There is no such thing as neutrality. You're either for or against, up or down, in or out, heaven or hell, Jesus or the devil. There's no gray area, 50 shades of gray nothing. It's 50 shades of sin. Gray is not God, gray is sin. Jesus said it. He does not want lukewarmness. He wants you either hot or cold. Am I right on that? I didn't say that. The scripture says it. There's no such thing as neutrality. You got to fight on. Three enemies of our soul. Three, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Those are the enemies that are constantly warring against me. We like to blow off the world and say, oh, I'm, not, I'm not involved in the world. You, when you're in the world and the world becomes the focus of your attention, you're depressed, you're down, you're fighting, you're in anguish in your soul, you don't know what to do, you don't know where to go, you don't know where to turn. But when you're walking with God, I can make you a promise, when you're walking with God, things are up, not down. Up, yes, they are. The reason why so many people are down is because you know in the back of your mind you've given up on God. You've given up on healing. You've given up on your marriage. You've given up on your relatives. You've given up on your kids. You've just totally given up. If you are walking in neutrality today, you're not happy. I promise you, you're not. My text for this morning is Colossians 3. Therefore, put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desire, and greed. For this is idolatry. You notice they're all in the same category, by the way. Sexual immorality, impurity, evil desire, and greed. Oh, my goodness. Not greed. 
Not greed, because I want more and more and more and more and more and more and never satisfied. Yes, in the same category as sexual immorality and impurity. And then he goes on to say, because of such things, God's wrath is coming upon the sons of disobedience. At one time, you also walked in those ways when you used to live in these ways. But now, set them all aside. Now look at the list. These are in the list. These are the same as the other list, equal in, in how, how they um, respond. Anger, rage, malice, slander, foul language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another. After all, you have taken off your old self with its practices and put on the new self that is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. All of those sins are in a big ball, a ball of wax, Anger, I've said it for years, anger and sexual impurity are the same. They come out of someone who is raging inside with something that is not being fulfilled. It's a double-minded person. One minute they're thinking pornographic thoughts, the next minute they're angry as all get out and they don't understand it. You wonder why your kids are acting like they do. It's because you're putting them in a context of mind control by the enemy. Video games, phones all day long. Have you ever noticed the relationship between all that stuff that they have on their phone and are watching and playing games all the time, that, that connection to where they're at spiritually? They're connected. Without any question, they are connected. Poet Carl Sandburg once said, there's an eagle in me that wants to soar, and there's a hippopotamus in me that wants to wallow in the mud. God, oh my goodness, that's pretty intense. God's, you know, we, we like to claim the verse, I'm going to rise up like an eagle and just soar. My wings like an eagle. And you're wallowing in the mug like a hippopotamus. Nothing that brings greater satisfaction than a, to a hippopotamus than a nice, cool mud pool. Nothing that brings satisfaction even to many Christians than wallowing in garbage. That's where we go. When we're bored, we go there. When we're unhappy, we go there. When we're depressed, when we've given up, we go there. Let me remind you over and over, if you leave here this morning, remember this above all. You cannot be neutral. You can't be neutral. It won't work. There is no such thing. During World War II, I found it interesting that there were some nations that thought they could stay neutral, but not without serious consequences. Because the minute they decided to take a side and say, I'm on this side, immediately it would, that nation would get attacked. And guess by whom? It was by the other side. So when it comes to Satan, you're either with him or against him. It reminds me of what Scripture says about neutrality. You're either saved or lost, in or out, cold or hot. You have to be on one side or the other. Now, please stay with me. If you are wallowing today, and something that has pulled you away from God and his word and his power in your life, you have thought that you could be neutral. That it wouldn't matter if you went to church. It won't matter if you take your kids out on Sundays. It won't matter if you miss a few weeks. It won't matter if you don't read the scriptures. It won't matter if you spend any time today in the word of God. Yes, it does. It puts you in a state of neutrality or worse. When I think of neutrality, I think and reflect back because I'm a 
I'm a lover of anything that has to do with the Holocaust. It fascinates me how this could happen right underneath our noses. I've been to Auschwitz twice. I've been in the crematorium where they put the bodies. I've seen the, the, the roughly um, welded together metal things that they stack the bodies on them and shove them in the oven and the black smoke came out. I've been and seen firsthand and stood there in utter shock, and I've shared it many times. I walked down the streets of that, that town. We, we stopped in the train station with the high-speed train, and we got out, and there was a McDonald's in the same train station that existed back during the war. We walked down the street, and I've shared this before, and I looked up at this old, old, old house. And on the third floor of a house was an old lady staring down at the street. And all I could think to myself was she watched them march train after train after train of people to the prison camp, and they never came out. How is it possible that that happened? Germany signed a treaty of Versailles after World War I saying that they would not rearm themselves in the battle of the, the Rhine Valley ever again. And then suddenly a young upstart along with this group of browncoats, these were Hitler's people, they, they started to cause a ruckus in Germany. Next thing we know in the early 1930s, the Reichstag, the fake parliament of the Third Reich, burned down and the rest of the world said this, we do not want to be involved. That is Germany's problem. It's not my problem. A young man named Adolf Hitler in his brown shirts took over the political party in Germany and he began to institute what was called race laws. Laws that were designed to target one people and one people alone. It was the Jews of Germany and Europe. And the Europeans said, we're not going to get involved. What was just on the screen moments ago with the view is exactly what transpired before all these Jews were killed. I promise you it was the very same thing. She denied her hatred for the Jews, yet her organization hates Jews, thinks they're evil, thinks they ought to be destroyed. I'm going to say this this morning. The reason I dedicated this message to supporting the Jewish people is because God says that any nation that doesn't will be cursed. The, 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 the real war that's out there today is what's brewing right now in our own nation. Anti-Semitism that's far greater than any kind of other racism in this country. If you don't like that, you don't have to listen. You don't have to go here, but I'll say it till I'm locked up. Because you will be soon. We're not going to get involved in this. And when Hitler started to rearm his forces in the Rhine Valley, disobeying the Treaty of Versailles, Europe once again said, we're not going to get involved in this. We refuse to be involved. I equate this to our Christian life. Because eventually, you're going to have to stand. Eventually, you will have to stand. They will try to take your weapons away. But you will have to make a decision where you draw the line and say, I'm standing right now. This is who I am, and this is what I firmly believe. As soon as the British took a side, neutrality was over, and the period of consequences took place. You have to take a side. As soon as you decide, I'm on this side, there is going to be a fight. 
And why are you not seeing victory in your own internal struggles and the victory that you need in your life? Because it seems like as pastors, there are so many people in your own flock that are not experiencing victory. It's the same old mud. Back to the mud. They're okay for a while and they're all excited and then they're right back to the same old mud. Back to the mud like a hippopotamus because that's where I feel okay. Neutrality stinks. As long as I'm the pastor and my wife is the pastor's wife, we will preach against lukewarm neutrality. Is God real? Do you think God is here? Is God a healer? Is God sovereignly in control of everything? As long as God is still God, we have to preach it, believe it. We have to follow his principles. Because we think that we can remain neutral and win the battles. And I would ask you this question, why are you not winning your struggle to live godly lives when godliness is most necessary? I will say this to you emphatically. Live a week without any conscious sin and see if that doesn't bring you up out of neutral to moving again. Are you sitting in neutral because you like your sin? Are you sitting in neutral because you can't give it up? It's almost like some demons take over and say, go do this bad thing. And it doesn't matter whether you're in bad times or good times. It happens when you're bored even. You know how I know that? Because I deal with people every week that are screwing up their lives. And I love them. And I'm sticking with them. I just asked one of the young men last week that came up for healing. Because he has a lump on his neck. I said, is your lump getting better? He said, not really. Well, then we're just going to pray harder and longer. We're not giving up. Satan, you can take a big hike. We're not giving up, are we? We're not against each other. We're together on this. We're not against each other. We're for each other. When the body of Christ becomes like that, because some of you are way down here today, I can tell. You're way down there thinking, man, I'm so defeated. I just am not making it, Pastor. I don't even know what you're talking about. I just feel like I just want to throw in the towel and give up completely. And I say, no, don't give up. Don't give in to him. And don't sit in neutral. The enemy now knows that you want to be in neutral and you're going to fight against it. Ephesians 6 says, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can make a stand against the devil's schemes. What I don't understand is why people are walking in pajama bottoms every day of their life. Now, you're going to say, you're being really judgmental, Pastor. You're really getting judgmental here. I think it's nothing but laziness. Woo! Satan is the master of laziness. I don't feel like taking them off. You've had those on for six weeks. I don't feel like they're so comfy and cozy, and you know they're all like warm. And have you looked at them? They're filthy and nubby. They're nasty. And you're shopping at Walmart in those. You know I'm telling the truth. I go to Walmart all the time. I love Walmart. I love a bargain. There's an estate sale over here right in the building, right over here, every last Thursday and Friday of the month. They sell all kinds of stuff. This month, there were two of them. There was one this weekend, and there's one at the end of the month, and it's basically people who have died, and they bring in all this stuff, and they have it all priced. 
On Thursdays, it's the price they market. On Fridays, it's half the price they market. I'm over there on Friday like, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I was born there. I was born in Cheeseville. I was born on a farm. I was born where we never had any money to do anything. I wore gloves that had holes in them, socks that had holes in them. It wasn't until recently I got really hip. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, though? Bargain hunting, and, and I was talking to, to um, 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 who's, there you go. You're just like my wife. She's reminding me all the time. I was talking to Irene yesterday because she was there helping her make rolls. And Irene saw me pushing this really cool vacuum cleaner toward the closet. And she said, got another vacuum cleaner? I said, 10 bucks. 10, I, I'm over there buying vacuum cleaners and stuff for that building over there. I, I walked out of there with a carload of stuff for $26. Irene said, I need a new vacuum cleaner. I almost gave her that one, but I was too selfish. So <laughs> it wasn't for me. It was for the church. It actually works. But I did make her a promise. I said, Irene, I'm going over there at the end of the month. I'm going to look for a vacuum cleaner for you. I won't forget it. Irene, I promise. If you make rolls, I'll get you a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> the enemy is the master of making us think we're the worst. You are so bad, there's no hope for you. And so you, you try to, to pull it all together to make it again this time. Because you flubbed up so many times. So you try pulling it all together, and all I could say is, how did that work out? How does that work out when you, when you do your best to pull it all together, but you know in the back of your mind that you're not done with that thing? It keeps hanging on. It comes back. Do you remember those times when you just thought it was okay if you just sinned this one more time? I can do this one more time and God won't judge me. I, I'm, I'm close to the end where he's going to zap me, but I'm not there yet. And I ask you, how did that turn out? Philippians 4.13, I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Most of us know that verse, but we don't live it. So when Paul said I can do, the phrase is the translation of the Greek word isquos which when translated is from the Greek, and it means I have the power of gods. I'm like a superpower. And then he, he goes on to say all things is from the Greek, panta, which means all-encompassing or everything. I have the power of gods over everything when I'm walking with God. Woo, come on now. I got the power of God by just reaching out to him and saying, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Remember, there were three kinds of people I mentioned last week in the book of James where we talked about three kinds of people that need healing. What were they? Anybody remember? Troubled, happy, sick. It pretty much encompasses all these different kinds of people out there. You're either troubled or desperate. Desperate, desperate. When you're desperate, you have nowhere to go but God. You're either troubled, you're happy, or you're sick. Not everybody's happy. I look at faces. I'm a face reader. There's people in here that you've looked that way so long, your, your face has taken on a natural form. And it's this. How are you doing today? Praise the Lord. I'm happy. 
she's snappy. I'm happy. Oh, wait a second. I saw some of you who look like that smile. Let it go. You can put a smile on your face. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And strength comes from the Greek translation of the word endunamati, the present active principle endunamu, which refers to the forces of an entire army. God is telling us that we have the forces of an entire army to not remain neutral, to change. Yeah. Don't give up on your situation, Jane. You're about ready to go in a neutral state for the rest of your life because you've given up on God being powerful and giving you the power to do all things through Christ. He says the Messiah changes everything. By him you are filled with the Holy Spirit. In him you have a new identity. And with him you triumph through the cross. But the Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? It also says that the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So when you accept Christ, like Jared and Jessica did this last week, you should not be surprised that the devil's not going to work havoc with you that very week, that very day, that next week. When you keep praying for somebody who's lost, you better expect the devil's going to fight you tooth and nail, right? When you decide now I'm going to start the new differently and I'm going to walk with God and every single morning I am going to hear from God, I'm going to spend enough time with him. We, we bought a bunch of books in the lobby you can buy because you bought all the other ones I put out there. This is Rick Renner's book, a daily devotional that will knock your socks off. It's about this thick. Buy it. If we get rid of those, we're selling them just for what we buy them for. It's a daily devotional, and you know you need it. It's not fluff. It's powerful. He tears apart the word from the Greek. It's so powerful. I think we spend a great deal of our time fighting with the old self. The old self keeps creeping up. No, you'll never get healed. No, you'll never get victory over porn. No, you'll never get over this. No, I, I, I was made this way, and I just can't get over it. And this is what the scripture says. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another work at work in my body, warring against the law of my mind and holding me captive to the law of sin that dwells within me. What a wretch I am. Do you know how many people feel this way? I received this long letter this week that I actually had to think through about these two ladies who go attend our church, and I've already mentioned it, that are lesbians and have a, a child. And, and, I, and they love our church. And I think to myself, all of us have sin that we wrestle with. And the reason why we like to point other people's sins out is, and make them more um, terrible than our own sin is because it lightens our load then. We feel, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. There is no worse position to be in with God than to think you're okay. You've all sinned. Yeah, we ought to just have, I've, a sin, I've been a sinner party. A big, I've been a sinner party. And guess what? Oh, some of you are sleeping. You don't look very happy today. A lot of people would go, I don't know, I'm going to a stupid, I'm a sinner party. What the, I'm not going to any party that says I'm a sinner because I'm pretty good. Yeah. I don't mow my lawn on Sunday. Yeah. I'm a pretty decent person. You know, you look at I don't wear baseball hats to church. I'm a pretty decent person. I don't look at porn. I, you know, we all have done all this. 
We all have done this, and, and I asked the question once again, and how's that going? And how's that going? Is that serving you well to compare yourself with somebody else? Does that make you feel good? And still, you can't get to the bottom of why you feel like you do. J.C. Ryle says this, a true follower of Jesus is known not only for his inner transformation, but also for his inner warfare. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You with me? The battle that's going on inside. There's an inner battle that's going on inside you, churning. That's the sign of someone that God is working on. Everybody else is in neutral. My sin, oh, the thought. You know what? I, we sing those songs. My sin is a constant thing that I have to be dealing with. Or I slip into neutral. We're told in the, the word of God that when Saul got saved, he was on the road to Damascus, as I mentioned last night. And as a matter of fact, Paul says this to Timothy. He says, this is the good fight of faith. How many of you right now are praying for a miracle or a miracle in your life, some miracle that you need? Right now you're praying about that. Just, I'm not going to make you come up here or tell us what it is or anything. I need a miracle. Okay, I'm going to look around because I'm not seeing some hands. Oh, you were in neutral. Why didn't I see some of your hands? Because you were in neutral. I don't need anything. I'm totally satisfied. La-di-da. Life is good. I got no sin. I got no gripes. You're talking too loud. And I suppose this message is going to go on way past what you should. There's no such thing as neutrality. You're either on one team or the other team. You're either fighting the devil or you're just standing there doing nothing. If you are fighting the devil right now because there's something inside of you that's going on, you might know that you're blessed. You're actually blessed. See, the fight we have now is against our own self. We have to fight it because it has immediate ramifications. The Bible says, be strong and have good courage and do it. Do not fear nor be dismayed for the Lord your God will be with you. So in order for you to get there, because I don't want to just yell at you and say, here you go. Just have a nice day. Go away. Just go away. Just telling you, just go home now. No, stop. Before we go, let's do this. There are a couple steps that you need to take before you just leave. See, I um, I go to Planet Fitness once in a blue moon. And so... Dr. Steve Swindle is, is our chiropractor. He goes to our church. And a while back, he said to me, as you get old, it's going to be very important that, that you can balance. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever noticed now that you're getting up in your years? Some of you won't relate, but just remember this down the road. It's hard to put your socks on because you'll get one. Ooh, I can't even stand that way now. You'll get one leg up to put your sock on and you'll fall over and you look around. Is anybody there? <laughs> Do you ever notice that your bed is too high or too low? You can't get out of it because it's either too high and you're worried about falling and breaking your neck. Or it's too low that it takes every ounce of energy you have in your body to pull yourself out of it. So Steve said to me, you know, they have those half fall things that you can... 
you can train for balance. And I'm like, oh, God, help me. The ones at Planet Fitness, now Steve told me this. I didn't say this. He, this is his ball. It's a cheapy one, maybe only $100. He said the ones there are like $250 to $500. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So he said, you just have to get on this thing. And, you know, when, you, when you're trying to keep your balance, you, it's going to wobble around some. And then he, he's telling me that I should stand on one leg and do this. And it actually worked, Jesus. Thank you. <laughs> he said, if you're going to do it for any prolonged period of time, you should be near something you can grab onto. <laughs> My wife fell this week when she went to the grocery store in the morning. And I was sad because it was real cloudy, but it was real icy. And it's easy as you get old to let your feet slip right out from under you. In order for us to really find the peace of God in our life, there's some things you had to put off. I got to make this really fast. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I've been intrigued by the whole concept that Paul gives us here, is that we need to put off some stuff. Stay with me because you're going to fall into these categories. In order to put on the right clothes, you need to get those nasty nubby, stained, soiled pajama bottoms off. That's a problem even. You got to put off arguments and pretensions and against whatever God would say, you got to stop arguing with God. Put off those toxic thoughts, Ephesians 6, 17 is. You got to have the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And now I, I don't know that much about swords, so this week when I was studying, I thought, because they were talking about the tang on the sword. The only tang I know is that orange stuff that comes in a bottle. I don't even know if they, the, the only thing I know about it is it went to the moon. They had tang when they went to the moon. So I'm looking up, what the heck has tang got to do with swords? Maybe you mix it with your sword or something, you know. It's actually a part of the sword. And I wanted to have a picture up there and I, oh, there you go. That's the tang. The strongest swords are the one where the tang is one piece with the rest of the sword. The grip is formed around the tang. You want to have a strong tang. You want to have a sword that actually can kill the enemy. You don't want to have one that snaps off from a tang that has been added on there. Put on the sword of the spirit. When you're double-minded, you might just snap. At any given moment, you ought to have a battle-ready sword. Paul, as well as other New Testament writers, actually expressed the flip side of putting on. It's putting off. Here's what he says we ought to do. Put off lying. Number one, do not lie one to another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. Don't lie, people, in this room. You know that you have a bias toward some sin, but not yours. You know that she was lying, that she actually despises the Jewish people, but for the sake of the program, she needed to be neutral. There's no such thing as neutrality. You're on one side or the other. Put off corrupt, deceitful desires. You are to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, just corrupt through deceitful desires. These are the desires inside that you know are going to lead to things that are not going to be productive in your 
godly life. What are they? Could be anything. You're, all, you're, you're to put off falsehood. This is not necessarily just lying. It's living falsely. Giving the appearance that we're all good, but yet having bitterness towards somebody. Do you know how many people can't come to church because they don't like me as a person? Or because they've heard these things about me? That should not be your concern. You should be concerned about this. Is the Spirit of God here? Am I listening to God or man? Put off falsehood. Am I bitter toward anybody in the room? You are neutral, and you can't be when it comes to offenses. The Bible makes it very clear. Get it right, or you'll have no power. Put off dark, demonic things. You cannot turn on TV without demons now. Lucifer is a show. Trust me on this. Trust me. I'm into prophecy, but I think a lot of times prophecy is a lot of hype in a life where there's not much godliness. They're interested in all the hype, but there's nothing girding that up underneath. Put off demonic stuff. Do you realize that de demons come through your television? They come through music. They come through people you have into your home. They come through things you look at. They come through things you say. Demons come from Vietnam all, all the way from over there right into this room right now. And you're welcoming them. They're coming through video games to our kids. They're saying, this is more important than what your parents say. They form and they create rebelliousness. They create anti-authority attitudes. Put off idolatry, stuff that weighs on you. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that sets before us. Put that off. Put off dirty, wicked things. Therefore, put away all wickedness, filthiness, rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word that which is able to save your souls. And put away all malice and hypocrisy. That's what it says, First Peter. So put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Woo! You know how many of us guys in the room know these things and have something inside us that immediately tells us this is wrong because we've actually memorized scripture to fight that. I'm headed to Vietnam in six weeks from tomorrow with four other guys, and we're going to memorize and study the whole time the word of God, and then the demons won't be able to touch us. They will try. But there are some things you need to put on before I finish the message here real quickly. Put on Jesus. But put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desire. You get in the car right now and you say, we're putting off gossip and slander and bitterness and criticism and tiredness and dirty-mindedness and blah, 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 and all this stuff. We're going to put on Jesus. Let's have a put on Jesus morning, right? We're going to get in the car. You put on the new self, secondly, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. You were taught to put on your new self, created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Number three, you put on the armor. You're not going to make it. You won't make it without the armor. The reason why you're going back after four months into your same sin is because you didn't put any armor on. You thought you could get better by going to a psychologist. It doesn't work. They only listen and get paid $160 an hour. You ever been to one? And then you tell everybody, I went for counseling, and I just don't know why I didn't have victory, and I've been using my meds again, and I'm pretty much doped out of it, and I'm like a dopamine and every other dope thing. 
Why am I not having victory? Because you haven't changed from the inside because you didn't put on the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Put it on. Put it on. Today, you get to Bible study tomorrow night. Ladies, go to Bible study this week. You open the Bible every morning on your own. Buy a book if you don't know how to do it. Start now. Start right now and things will begin to change. Yeah, are you right? Am I right on this? That's how you change. Put on faith, hope, and love. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet of the hope of salvation. Put on imperishable immortality, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. At all the funerals I do, I always use those verses at the graveside. They're graveside verses. Because you basically are in this little tent with the family, and they're all sitting there grieving, saying, oh, this is going to be our last sight of the person. We're all going to be there, by the way. It's going to be our last sight of the person. And, you know, it's very sad to say goodbye to people we love. But what is even worse is wondering if they're really saved. Because I guarantee you, hell is real. If you don't think about heaven right now and you don't want to live for heaven right now, you ain't going to heaven. Don't even fool yourself. If your affections are set on this earth, you get the earth. Put on imperishable immortality. Last thing I wanted to say is, I, I, I use this as an illustration because my third point for today was that we're supposed to fight on. That's why I had us sing that song. <laughs> I read about a book by John Morgan back in 1802. It was the story of the American Revolution war hero by the name of Francis Marion, who was also known as the Swamp Fox. And the reason he was known as the Swamp Fox is all the people that were in his group that was fighting, whatever they called them back then, they, they lived in the swamp. One of the things that drives me crazy about about the way warring used to take place, is they all line up across from each other and just shoot each other, and they're falling, and they're just, bam, bam, bam. Everybody's falling around you. I'm thinking, what idiots. How come they, why weren't they told about guerrilla warfare back then? The swamp fox, Marion, hid in the swamps and was able to win, and finally the enemy that Lord Cornwallis was um, involved with came to the end of his, what he could take. And near the end of the book, there's an account of the conversation that took place between Marion and a British officer who had been brought blindfolded into their encampment. They couldn't figure out how these swamp guys were winning and had not died. And when the meeting was over, the, the guy that was the swamp fox, Marion, he invited the British officer to come blindfolded to their camp and have a meal with them. They got to camp. They took his blindfold off. He actually thought because there were such gradients, uh, patriots that they, that they were living off the, land, the fat of the land and were eating big, great meals. And so he gets there to their camp and he takes his blindfold off and a guy takes a knife and stabs a, a burnt potato out of the fire and puts it on a piece of bark. He says, have dinner. He says, well, I gotta admit. He said, the British officer said, I gotta admit, I, I actually thought you guys were living high over here, and that's what made you so excited to fight on your behalf, uh, on, on your, your side's behalf. Wow. So you're living just like we are, with nothing. The conversation that ensued gave a glimpse 
into the Patriots and how they fought. It provides a standard. First, the British officer commanded that he didn't know how the British soldiers would keep fighting if their government only gave them potatoes because they were getting so discouraged. Then assuming he had figured out the secret, the British officer said that surely the Patriots must be well paid, to which Marion replied, not a cent, sir, not a cent. Then the British officer was obviously at a loss to explain their devotion to the cause, and he burst out, by Jove, how did you stand it? And then Marion says to him, it's a matter of principle, sir. British officer said, principle be hanged. Do you think George, King George could get men to do all the fighting and not draw any pay and get nothing to eat but potatoes? I'll be hanged if he could. And Marion said, well, sir, it's all about the heart. If King George possessed their, your hearts, you would serve him gladly and eat potatoes. British officer said, no, no, General Marion, that I must deny. And Marion said, when a man is interested, he will do and suffer anything. Many a youth would think it hard to be indentured at, at a trade to fo for 14 years, but let him be overhead and ears in love with such a beauteous sweetheart as Rachel, and he will think no more of 14 years servitude than did Jacob. That is just my case. I am in love. British officer said, you in love, General? Marion said, yes, I'm in love, and I have the most beautiful sweetheart. Her name is Liberty. One of my favorite video clips, one of my favorite movies, and I have mine. This would not be my wife's list. I didn't tell her I was showing this today. One of my favorite movies on my list, and I don't know about yours, is Braveheart. And this clip in particular. 